And we're at a moment where sort of all all contradictions are heightened, right? Byproduct of the crisis of contemporary capitalism. This week in class politics. Classic fucking boomer. Old new left. Maintaining the relations of neoliberalism. No! Capital. No! Capital. No! Capital. No! 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 Ideas are international, but we're from cameras. And we're back this month with exciting developments in Chile. Over the weekend, um, an incredible result for the broad left in Chile, which we'll talk about on this episode of Dole Capital. My name is Ben, and on the show you'll be hearing Jacob and I catch up with our special guest, Australian-Chilean socialist Jose Munoz, who is just a little bit more excited than we are about how things are going with Chile's political revolution against <laughs> its neoliberal constitution. I don't know, I'm pretty excited. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> It was the best news we've had for a long time, and we'll talk about more about yeah. that uh, as we go on in the show. If you like this show or um, check out our backlog or the like, it's only really possible by volunteering some hours and the like. But it's really important for us to keep going. Uh, financial support is one way to ensure that we can keep bringing you an episode a month. Uh, it does take time, energy, and equipment. This show really wouldn't be possible without our patrons and supporters. A big shout-out to members, uh, Labor Party members from Western Creek, Gungahlin, and Black Mountain ACT Labor sub-branches for their financial solidarity. Good on you, comrades. You can donate to us at uh, www.patreon, that's just P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Capital. that's D-O-H-K-A-P, I-T-A-L, that's Dole Capital at um, Patreon. Please like, share and subscribe to our show and leave a review on your preferred podcast app or otherwise you can support us without making a financial contribution. Uh, As always, we're here uh, recording on uh, Ngunnawal country, so we'd just like to um, acknowledge uh, the uh, Ngunnawal elders past, present and emerging, especially any listening. G'day. Um, And uh, of course, as always, express our solidarity with their fight to end continuing injustices for Indigenous people in Australia. Uh, with that, uh, on with the show. So, uh, as Ben said, uh, we'll be talking to Jose Munoz. He's a... Uh, it feels a bit weird to like, call him a guest, actually. He's kind of more... He's like our Chilean correspondent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correspondent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, welcome back, Jose. Great thank to you, have Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, Jose, he's a keen observer of developments of the struggles of working people in Chile. Uh, and he visited Chile during the 2019 revolt against the neoliberal constitution that has led to this massive shake-up of Chile's democracy, which we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so, uh, before we start, um, let me give you a bit of background. I'm going to just read a little excerpt from uh, René Rojas' um, Jacobin piece, uh, which came out um, just before the uh, the runoff president presidential election, which has just happened, and which we'll be talking about the results of in this episode. So, uh, René writes, While the country gears up for the runoffs and awaits the outcome of the Constituent Assembly, assembly, Chile presents one of the most challenging and promising scenarios of the global left that all socialists should be paying attention to. After decades of setback and decline, defeats many feared might be permanent. Mass movements of workers and and the poor launched a cycle of protests that culminated in a generalised rebellion in October 2019 that put the final nails of the coffin in the party system that managed and reinforced Chilean neoliberalism for 30 years. It won the demand for a new constitution to replace the authoritarian and pro-market charter inherited from the Augusto Pinochet dictatorship. 
an overwhelming majority voted in favour of constituent elections, and when the time came to elect representatives to draft the new constitution, voters delivered a crushing blow to the diminished centre-left and centre-right ruling coalitions. So that's a bit of the background context, um, and we've talked on previous episodes about the um, Constitutional Assembly, um, but today we're going to be talking about the uh, big uh, presidential runoff election which has just happened. So take that away for a bit. So with the continuing Chilean political revolution, uh, we've just had the um, the first round of the presidential elections were held on the 20th of November, uh, which was very close, and we saw the far right candidate um, win the poll out. I think it was like seven he, candidates, he, wasn't? Yeah, Jose. he was the majority. Yeah, and he only narrowly um, in ahead of uh, Gabriel Boric from the the broad left. Um, who um, was only less than 2% behind from the top of my head, uh, against the far-right candidate, Jose Antonio Cast. Um, now, the election was held on the 19th of December, and, well, you know, we've been celebrating. Um, it's an incredible result. Uh, what is, what's the final numbers, Jose? The final numbers, well, it's um, voting record. The highest uh, number of people that voted was at the plebiscite that ended the dictatorship in in um, 1990 and that was like 7 million and a bit um, out of a, a current population of now uh, 19 i think 0.2 million um the voter turnout was really low uh, uh, for the first round uh, at 47 percent participation what's defied everything is that uh, we had a, a, vote, a voter turnout of 54.91%. And all the analysts were beyond thrilled and excited because they, they haven't seen this level of uh, participation, particularly so such a stark difference a month ago. Mm. Um, and and what, was, what people were really amazed at, that uh, Boric, the left-wing candidate, uh, First of all, he didn't win the first runoff, and every presidential uh, winner ha- won the first round. Uh, he broke that record now. He's like uh, came second and won the whole thing. But he, the amount of people he like added, was yeah roughly about two million point seven hundred thousand that voted for Borage instead of Cast. Um, both the candidates were appealing to the center. Uh, something which we're very familiar with and very similar style what would you see in an election campaign in Australia uh, they both realized they had to do it they had to win the and he, what was shocking was that historically they've both been uh, on extremes um, but realistically Boric is um, became the consensus candidate but also he's not he hasn't been that really right wing uh, that left wing sorry um, despite his origins as, as a student activist um, yeah, we, well, I would have never thought that this guy would have been president. Mm. Like he, two months ago, I would have still wouldn't. I, I just yeah didn't think that he would have uh, the appeal. But um, what was amazing with this turnout was that uh, women under fifty and young people made the difference. Um, and and that and the analysis that I saw from before were quite clever in their prediction, and I thought it was quite, quite accurate. They said that if Boric wins, he's going to win big because the, people, the young people will turn out to vote. Mm. If young people don't turn out to vote, Cast will win, but not by that much. Right. So that was, and, and, and it, it, it's exactly um, what, what, what they predicted. Um, 
the level of participation election was the highest in, in Chilean history. Uh, and Boric himself has been uh, the candidate with most votes out of any election right. in the Chile's Republic. So that was the other record-breaking thing that we saw yesterday. Yeah. And in the, the regions as well, just in terms of the results, um, Jose, um, I, was re- I mean, outside of the major urban areas, there was... That's right. There. It's good that you mentioned that, Ben, because the, despite the population, the the ge- geography of the country being so spread, the vast majority of the population live in the capital, and there's a few other cities. Um, but life in the regions, whether you're up north with near the desert and the mines, or whether you're further down south in Patagonia, very complete different uh, lifestyles, uh, culture, even indigenous uh, culture is way different as well. Um, and what's been seen, one of the rejections has been seen that every government is too Santiago-centric, which is very accurate because a lot of people don't don't uh, um, get out of that bubble. Um, Boric did really, really well in, um, in the regions. They were particularly worried about the north. Uh, and, and now with the north, there's an immigration problem that we've seen uh, of uh, illegal refugees. Uh, the vast majority are from Venezuela, followed by Colombia and Haiti. Um, but what's really funny that was President Piñera was in Venezuela, I think maybe what roughly two years ago, trying to get uh, Juan Guaido uh, 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 to get him um, illegitimately recognized. Uh, but um, Piñera was inviting uh, <laughs> Venezuelans to come over to Chile. We're a stable, um, we still call it, uh, uh, we're an oasis. A uh, stable oasis of, um, of economic development and everything's tranquil and normal. And that's the way they like things. Yeah. Okay, so is it, is it likely, do you think, that... Because um, I, I had seen, I think, uh, actually, it's um, Rojas sort of noting that uh, Boric had kind of, um, yeah, moderated his um, position on immigration, obviously moderation being in, in quotation marks. So he had basically um, taken up a, a more hardline position on that kind of illegal migration. Uh, do you think he's likely to sort of like hold fast to that and that that's going to be kind um, of a it's, friction point? It's very interesting how Boric came to this position uh, in last month in the first runoff. Boric wasn't going to mention immigration, yeah. but this was something that Cast was doing. Uh, it was a campaign out of fear. Like what, yeah. one of the, the most common phrase I, I saw yesterday was that hope defeated uh, fear. Uh, because just the vast differences of, of, the, of the campaign. Um, Cast uh, also promised to stop immigration. He actually had uh, uh, the policy of digging a ditch to physically stop him. You're not <laughs> going to build a wall, you build uh, a ditch. You can't get yeah. over, you go under. Um, and um, a lot of, well, in trying to uh, kick up real nationalist sentiment, uh, which people reacted to quite a lot. Um, the illegal migrants have to cross the desert on fo- by foot, um, in the driest desert in, in on the planet. Um, so it's very, very hard already just to get to the Chilean border. And uh, this past year, and particularly this month, there's been an increase. Um, I've actually got numbers here that mm-hmm. just in 2021, um, 25,000 illegal migrants. Mm-hmm. In comparison to the year before 2020, 16,500. Okay. Um, and at the moment, living currently in Chile, there's uh, 1.7 million uh, illegal migrants, which quite surprised me. I, I didn't know that it was to that extent. You kind of, and b- mainly because, as um, 
as you naturally expect, this is something that the right bring up. This is something, so it's not kind of playing on their turf. Now, what you mentioned before, Boric had to respond to this. And his stance was always not, not saying anti-immigration, not always saying that the immigration more compassionate to have processes that are more fluid, uh, to be there physically at the border. Like, um, he, he had to address um, these points because Castle's doing very, very well uh, uh, initiating uh, um, all, all, all the fear. And to, mm-hmm. it's very uh, cold, cold warish. Uh, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, the return of communism. And one of the phrases they had was communism or freedom. What are you going to choose? Classic, <laughs> an absolute classic. Like um, playing the hits. <laughs> what um, I saw from an- analysts yesterday was that uh, Boric had the edge because he actually addressed uh, some of um, some of the fear that he was that um, Castle's already putting through. That is also interesting as well because I guess in a, an Australian perspective, we see the the football that is used for for migrants and, and for refugees, where it's either right now in Australia, it's it's been used as like oh no, turn the taps on, we need to bring in as many possible migrants as possible because somehow um, it's terrible that we have to pay workers more here, mm-hmm. um, or it's um, uh, you know. Um, close the tap off exactly and um yeah, do the big fear with, you know um, high unemployment and a labor shortage <laughs> it's crazy about how that yeah. happens yeah. Oh, it's pretty well so what happened Jose? um yeah no he, he was interested so my, my point before just uh, uh what how borage had the edge on cast that he actually um had to address it he also mentioned quite a little something that resonated with that one narco trafficker which mm-hmm. is like which is the the drug drug the drug industry mm-hmm. It's mentioned because it happens in the poorer slums. The the drug industry has do things openly. Police don't do anything, and it's actually one of the things say that they're very tough against student protesters, but they don't react the same if they go into the slums. Actually, um, Boric had to like tackle that as well, which has always been points that the right was trying to, and and also uh, common delinquency as well. The crime rates are high. Mm. Um, in comparison to Cast, who promised very short-term solutions, but without going into anything further, so his campaign uh, out of uh, mentioning the same the same points of immigration, uh, drug trafficking, had very strong short-term, but nothing to follow on. And what's interesting now is that there's a body rewriting the constitution, and Cast was never addressing anything. Now the real fear this is another point. Um, was that the president-elect was going to have a direct clash with the constitutional convention mm. because they're very different interests. This was like my biggest fear because um, he would have had the the um, as the executive the, the authority to to do a lot. Basically, and he could put the kibosh on the whole. Exactly, and there, there, yeah. and there was already like with the media trying to uh, uh, delegitimize the, mm. the process as well. That they they want to they want to push that they want to be a de facto uh, Congress mm. and um, and it's been really good actually the work that they've done and they, they've uh, they've been really good at communicating and it's one of the things that they really wanted to do they, um, they didn't want this is the majority of independent candidates um, broader left candidate they didn't want to be uh, their protagonist in, in in the process what they wanted to be is that channeling voices with with mm. uh, with their electorate so um, their their feedback is 
give us more feedback. Like we need to know exactly uh, um, what's happening at the very grassroots. They're all very conscious of it, and they were saying that at least once a month they actually hold uh, meetings with uh, um, social groups, sporting groups, uh, um, communes, like trying to really broad organisations and report back, but at the same time, they, they're looking for guidance as well. Mm. I think it's, that's interesting because uh, as far as what I've seen, especially English language um, reporting, it's been so focused on Boric and his like personality and his background. And we've talked about that, mm. obviously, before. We, like He was a student leader of the protest movement, ended up dropping out of his law degree and then running for the Congress. And then he's been there since what 2014 2014 2014 um and now yeah he's cleaned up his image and he won the pre-selection against the the leader of the communist party and all that backstory and Mm. everything but but like like you're saying the these the way that these um the the sort of um broad front um social movements have found their political expression has been still pretty decentralized and in, in fact i've seen some like if anything, some right. criticisms of, mm. of uh, the political movement's ability to sort of channel, or not not ability to channel, but to be a sort of take a leadership role um, of the social movements. But it seems like their approach has actually been much more to channel that energy and become a conduit for it, win positions and then become a con- conduit for that political energy rather than to kind of expend it in an election campaign yeah. and then to kind of be a kind of a delegated authority, um, which is what we kind of think of more, I guess we're used to in um, the neoliberal era of Labour parties and democratic socialist right. social democrat parties you know so it's a new model and that probably means that the um, the focus on Boric personally is a bit un, you know unhelpful and unnecessary what we're <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing is trying to understand on Jacob, their uh, structures and of how they're like how they are communicating with the masses and with the movements well, yeah one of the really interesting things about this whole process that we've seen over two years now you couldn't trust any of the media like absolutely mm. none social media helped a lot and everyone was in this position that we that everyone wasn't um what's the word had the e to the streets or mm-hmm. just had a um, common touch you like yeah mm-hmm. didn't have that common touch and this happened to every sector political sector you shocked the right because they didn't know people were, were uh, displeased to that level but in the left as well Mm. Uh, which leads to the uncertainty of, of yesterday's poll because I was getting ready to, to see the right um, come in. Uh, very disciplined. Uh, uh, and this is straight out of the Cold War in, uh, um, in the Allende period. Very wealthy people. There, there are three electorates in the north of Santiago mm-hmm. and that's pretty much like the, the base of, of the whole right in, in, in the entire country. Mm. Um, because people didn't have that common touch, and this is everyone didn't know that uh, that this dissatisfaction was to this level, uh, Boric also came came into um, mentioned that point as well. In at the very st- start of the social explosion uh, in November uh, 2019, um, the right and the center uh, proposed um, what they called it. Um, a pact to go forward. No, no, actually, no. That's <laughs> but it's pretty much saying how they, they were going to meet the demands of the electorate, the protests, and mm-hmm. see some sort of pathway out yeah. of it. Now, everyone signed up. They excluded the left entirely. Uh, well, like the Communist Party were the biggest group there, and they did not not get a mention. But they did approach Boric. They did approach some other MPs, who actually took it on themselves to to actually engage. T- engage, engage. So that's exactly the word. Um, 
this was met horridly in the entire left particularly the street protests the people had been like fighting with police every day they thought it was a total disrespect of uh of of the movements and that he was trying to seek uh protagonism mm -hmm. for his own for, for his public image and political ambitions mm -hmm. um actually Boric, shortly after that around his neighborhood, he actually wanted to join the protest and people spat on him. They threw right. beer and he was like really nasty because he yeah. just like took it all on the chin. He just didn't even engage it. Um, very different scenario what we're seeing now. Oh, we're yeah. actually, actually embraced him. And yeah. it, what's very interesting is that um, uh, the Communist Party uh, and, and some of the uh, old student leaders now, um, they knew each other from university and, and from, uh, from the board left in Santiago. Uh, now they were openly like doing the Boric campaign yeah. and, and years ago out of your normal divisions within the left um, it's amazing it was really pleasing to see the Communist Party mm. not undermine anything he, they actually went ahead and, and, and led the campaign to, yeah. to a large degree cool let's come back to that in a second um, but yeah it was great to see the the communist party throw in behind um Boric. let's talk about the right you know like uh, mm. as i said we, we we know Boric's backstory but what about jose cast you know um yeah what, uh, what where did this guy come from and how did he end up being the the new bolsonaro the in the, the leader of the right and the far right in, in in chile this was something that no one expected as yeah. well and they would never people within the right and, and in the broader electorate to see a guy like uh, Juan Antonio Cast. Um, he's been called an ultra-conservative by everyone <laughs> because he's, he's been that far to the right. Um, not even an apologist for Pinochet. He'll quite admit that they did what they needed to do uh, mm -hmm. uh, and that um, Pinochet never got the credit for the economic reforms that lead uh, Chile to ultimately be a, a first world country. Um, but yeah, open supporter whether everyone in the right did their best to divorce themselves uh, from Pinochet. There are all there's many photos of uh, current MPs and the old Chicago boys hanging out with Pinochet. And there's, um, there's a picture of a uh, cast when he was a young guy um, doing the doing um, a commercial spot for the for the campaign to keep Pinochet in power for an extra eight years. Um, right. He was like, they'll call it, it's, that plebiscite was like a, a yes and no vote. Mm. So the no was a we don't want Pinochet and, and, and the C, um, the no won by a large degree. Uh, but by a larger degree, people voted for Boris yesterday because that was yeah. seen as like the pinnacle in, in yeah. voter participation. Um, Cass' family background is uh, German. Uh, uh, his father um, immigrated from, um, I'm not sure where they were, they were fighting, I think in the Eastern Front. Uh, but shortly after they made the world to South America, um, mm. um, Cass was actually trying to say that his father was um, a combatant, but not a member of the Nazi party. Mm. He was never a- In the world Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, the guy, I think he was 18, like a very, very young guy, but um, he had joined the Nazi party in 1942, so he was gung-ho, um, which is something very common to see uh, Germans from the, that generation in uh, particular places like uh, Brazil, uh, Argentina, um, and the south of Chile. Mm. Um, now, the, the right, the institutional right, the neoliberal economic right, the, the, the guys who've, the families really, there are not that many families actually control nearly, uh, 
the majority of the wealth. They had another candidate for the right to actually uh, be the successor to Pinera. Uh, Pinera wanted uh, uh, another candidate, um, 45-year-old, um, I think he's a lawyer. Um, kind of a bland city. bureaucrat type. Uh, yeah, right. and, and softer. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, but he was seen as the established candidate. Mm-hmm. And the voters from the right understood the message and they voted in, in a large proportion for him in, in the primary, which was in June. Mm. Um, so there would have been also a fear after Cast had done pretty well um, there in the, um, the first presidential race that there was probably going to be a pretty big backup vote, which if it came down to Cast and, and um, Burridge, that would be able to be mobilised for Cast. Um, yes, yeah. yes. And, and what we've seen within the year that the vote from the right, very disciplined and reliable. Mm. Uh, more, I would say more than the left, yeah. despite the, the, the results. Um, so what went wrong for this, the establishment candidate? The establi- they, they didn't want cast. And there was, a, so there was a primary and junior saying, what was the name of his Yeah, um, his name, uh, uh, Sicho. 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 Sicho is a former minister. Uh, he was a president in one of the banks. Uh, so he had the, the experience yeah. of, by, by the... Um, the right... His campaign fizzled pretty much. He was, he, was, he was trying to hide his lobbying past, uh, particularly how he lobbied for... Um, uh, gas companies and fisheries. So there's a few multinationals that he was, uh, and also, sorry, this is the bigger point, the money that was transferred to give him a hand for his lobbying. So that, the, there was evidence of that. And when they find that out, he didn't have a clear response for it. Uh, uh, and he didn't perform well in the debates as well. Right. So it fizzled like within, I would say, less than a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Cass was doing a campaign out of fear, um, and and uh, which was really resounding to them. They, they were actually surprised that he, he even trying to do TikTok things, and they were trying to capture the youth. And apparently, there was some, uh, but I don't know if there were bots or not. I was trying to see if mm-hmm. I, I was really there, man. But uh, a lot of young people, um, and and also the thing is like, uh, I also want to be wealthy. I also want to have the opportunities, and and I need that in in a market economy. Um, the Young Liberals campaign, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, because of the fear on pretty much a Cold War campaign, saying that he's going to be uh, communism was going to come back to the country, uh, communism or, de- or death, no, uh, communism or freedom, there was one mm-hmm. of the, that. Um, and his uh, position in the electorate became so strong that last month when the, uh, MPs were voted, he's party won a fair chunk uh, outside of their traditional right mm. and those numbers scared me a lot because uh, uh, I saw what, what they were capable of um, his uh, cast campaign proceeded he's actually pretty well liked he's, uh, he's compared a lot to Trump and uh, Bolsonaro mm. but he's softer spoken yeah. he's not an aggressive guy yeah. he doesn't lose his temper like Things mm. that a lot of people found, they even called them charming. Uh, so from the, the uh, some British press, um, that was having a, a, a resoundance and, and that actually did boost his numbers. Mm. Uh, and even with the runoff yesterday, they, they, now the right wing vote, the tradi- those three electorates in Northern Santiago, mm. they knew exactly what to do to defend their, their privileged positions. And... And very, 
I mean, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people talk about the naivety of an electorate, uh, an electorate particularly that's not politically educated, to a certain level, because the people in the street knew exactly what the problems were with the current system. If we were talking about pensions, if you are talking about wages, uh, access to uh, healthcare, proper healthcare education, the evidence was all around. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to listen to some of the analysts saying that, no, the electric know exactly what political position, what they know what, it, what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, the CAS campaign, out uh, uh, of uh, their efforts, they were saying that if things going to be ungovernable, that is pretty much all the uh, civil institutions were going to crumble, and, and that's something that's very closely connected with the uh, neoliberal, that what they always promote and, and kind of gloat about, that they can promote and keep things stable. And, and to keep those institutions stable. Now, Boric had the upper hand that he could actually talk about really short-term stuff, but then talking about constitutional change yeah. and things that are really broad and long-term. Cass wasn't offering anything in the long-term. It was very short, short-time uh, uh, fear. It was, yeah, basically, um, and also, yeah, and I guess... The, the polling about the Communist Party must say a lot because they try to mention that as, as, any, as much as they could. They're saying that he was going to be a puppet of the Communist Party, pretty much. It seems like probably not a, a super winning strategy to say uh, we're going to um, you know, save and um, maintain all of the sort of main ruling institutions uh, immediately after a huge sort of national protest movement that, that is like explicitly conscious of the way that those institutions mm. um, maintain poverty and, and dissatisfaction. So that might have been like a strategic misstep on Cast's <laughs> part. Yes, and that's what I was saying the point before about mm. Boric being clever enough to actually go into Cast's ground and actually mm. have some responses, which anything about constitutional change, uh, better pension, any any word socialization, just cast, did, he just ignored it. So yeah, that's why right. he, that's what he's saying his campaign was so uh, limited in, in foresight. Mm. So that's cast. Um, let's go back to the communists and there, the, the, the alliance mm. between the, the broad front and the, the communist party. Um, uh, we've seen some commentary about how the communists um, mounted this pretty epic campaign of sort of direct voter contact um, and that seems to have been possibly decisive yeah, um, in Boris's comeback. Uh, that campaign that you mentioned, that mm. was only last month. There yeah, right. wasn't something that was... Um, they called it um, the door knock for a million... No, a million door knocks for Boric, pretty much. Right. And they said that they were going to go up and down the country. Now, strategically, they knew that Boric did well in cities. Nowhere rural, he was. No yeah. one's going to get a look, even though he was from from the very south in Patagonia. Mm. Um, so that was like one of the main things that go. We we got to address this. They went pretty much over fourteen um, states up and down the country, and actually that million uh, mark that they they achieved, they just blew it out of the water. It was um, what was it? Yeah, one point three. One point, yeah. yeah, one thousand, yeah, one million three hundred thousand and a bit are, are door knocks. Yeah, incredible. Uh, and also, they had a thing of like, uh, they wanted to establish campaign. They called them ambassadors. So if you were gonna, if the, if the campaign was gonna go to your hometown and you sign up as an ambassador, you're pretty much like the host for the and, and provide mm-hmm. the intelligence. So 
it was just keeping things as uh, uh, grounded and autonomous as well. So saying that it wasn't something that was going to be led uh, centrally. Mm. Um, so have the communists traditionally been really good at that kind of um, grassroots organizing, and does that go back to even go, what it, they were doing during? The yeah, it, it goes back. It go even yeah. further than right. that, I would say even like the, the beginnings of uh, um, uh, the. Um, the union movement mm -hmm. in, in in the particularly if we're talking about the 1912 20s it was like even even that far back now um the communists have always had a uh, represent in in slums and um the grassroots stuff has always been very solid and one of the things is that they've never had the money for to campaign so he was really doing it uh, um uh and it's very funny seen campaigns i got to see one in two, uh, 2005 uh the right candidates just hire people uh the yep. people that give you the how to vote or little balloons and stuff they don't even make eye contact at yep. all they're they're doing a job that they're finding boring uh, and you've seen normal working class people uh, one lady who was scrutineering for the one of the right candidates she was lived in a, in a slum housewife she was actually more worried about what was going to be on for dinner than actually just mm -hmm. hanging around and they're actually quite surprised that the the left actually had proper scrutinies with there and actually you know. um so th th this is something that yeah the, the communists really wanted to uh, address now those um the um MPs, really young MPs, mm -hmm. um, from Boric's generation and from the uh, uh, former student leaders, they just, I mean, the, you can tell the ties were close, but it was a really well disciplined. There was no undermining, even though the communists did lose against Boric. Uh, the communist candidate, uh, Daniel um, Hadoue, um, was a candidate for the Communist Party and, and actually the candidate that the right feared the most. Uh, mm. And it's interesting, the guy, the guy that they feed the most, they went for more consensus and uh, in the right, the same thing happened, uh, um, which w was very interesting. Um, from what I've seen with the Communist Party, they were beyond thrilled that, 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 that it could happen. But um, all the grassroots stuff, it's, 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 it, they, they've done it, you know, in, in traditionally in a way that it's grounded. I mean, I could say for an example, uh, slums. Um, just like um, cities after World War Two, all over the world, um, industrialization meant that uh, people from the country needed to actually go to big cities, lived in the periphery of the city, and this were called Thomas, which was really a take of taking over land. Mm -hmm. um, when that happened in the forties, um, all the actual all the actual organizers, they're all union delegates from their own industry and, and communists mostly. And, and then much later on in the 70s, it was uh, um, something that was still very grounded in. Um, there's one of the first uh, Thomas, um, um, slums called um, La Legua. And that was a first, um, and that first uh, take was the only place that responded with, <laughs> with a gunfight against the military in Santiago when the coup happened. There was all the talk about the left that the, that Allende should have armed the workers, and, and, and there was no no level of, of of planning or anything like that. But in the regions where they did respond to that to that degree of commitment, it happened in in, the, in those mm. slums. Mm. Uh, so, so, what about the what are the rural rural areas like? Uh, because there's been a couple of other big kind of left electoral wins in South America in the last couple of years. Um, you know, specifically, I'm thinking of um, like in Bolivia, the sort of the the, the sort of victory against the coup that happened there um, and more recent elections as well um, mm. in what Colombia 
um, Nicaragua and Peru. Peru, Peru, um, yes. Peru's the big one. Um, in all of those countries, like there's there's always a different configuration of the left and um, the indigenous population and their their movements, and sometimes they're very close, not necessarily always. So. Um, you mentioned that Boric does has done you know in the past pretty poorly in the rural areas. So, um, you know, how does the sort of indigenous connection um, come in? Because there have been like a quite a few indigenous representatives to the constituent assembly, right? And so, yeah, where's that connection? That's right. There's um, out of the 155 uh, um, delegates throughout mm. the constituent, 17 were already yeah. assigned, um, and out of those 17, I think to five different uh, um, nations, uh, the Mapuche nation being, mm. the, being the biggest now in the south, just like in any other uh, indigenous struggle, it's about land. Yeah. It's, it's about land, it's about hunting, it's about living. And this is going head to head with uh, with multinationals, uh, the, the, and which had a free reign. Now, what's happened there is that the Chilean state has pretty much armed to the police to the teeth. Mm. Uh, there was a special squad who got training, I think, in um, uh, in Colombia, but also in Israel. They were, they were, they were trained course. to come. Um, no surprise. Exactly. So they they militarized beyond beyond reason. Um, the constitutional convention happened, and now it's very interesting. One of the things that I'm, I'm a bit outside my generation, but the whole one of the main uh, points I was talked about from the left was about inclusion. Now, for us, it can be a little bit kind of airy fairy thing that that can happen, but in Chile, it was concrete. There was no recognition or in anywhere any written document about the the indigenous uh, populations who been resisting occupation since forever like the mapuche were one of the only nations that were never conquered by the spanish and actually one of the first president wrote a letter pretty much giving them autonomy kind of saying we recognize that you guys are there and they try to yeah they, they try to legitimize delegitimize that, that letter and it wasn't a policy at all it was just like a written right. thing um so but, but even yeah. with even to that level, that there's been an unofficial recognition, but nothing that's they've never been included in the Chilean state. Now, with inclusion, one of the main things this goes with women as well. Uh, the convention, one of the first things they cited is gender equity, and also um, um, I'm trying to lo- losing my words because I I, <laughs> I got my Spanish brain on as well. LGBTQ, yeah, LGBTQ. And um, which is something that that Eve was a, a very traditional Catholic country. You would ne- never seen that. Term. I was yeah. happy to see really young kids kind of being really open, public yeah. display of affection that you just never saw. And mm. it was like those things. You go, okay, things are a little bit different, mm. particularly with the young people. Um, so for them, the, just that sort of level of inclusion and to actually being recognised by the Chilean state was something that they're seeing for the first time. So yeah. the whole notions yeah. like inclusion. Uh, are a lot more tangible <laughs> and even physical. That so I think I mean you, what you're really hitting on there, Jose, is that how the Boric and the the broad left were able to get this coalition together, but also appeal to a new generations of people who are like, look, actually, we're quite open and you know, inclusivity has been really important. We've got connecting with the indigenous communities, and then we've got dealing with the the fundamental economic um, issues and problems of poverty and inequality in Chile. Um, and then that incredible campaign done out in regional, uh, the regional centres of Chile, 1.3 million do- um, door knocks. Door knocks. Mm. 
No, it's incredible. Like, like it's it, it. It's always something for another show. I'm sure we'll talk more about um, activist strategies about how you. Change I need to things, find more about it. Some yeah, more detail if, about it. I mean, it's look. I I don't like door knocks, but I mean the fact <laughs> is, if you can connect with someone face to face and have a conversation with them, you go a long way to um, to shift them uh, at the very um, least. Um, but that's that. Those were the things that were used that we can point to that Boric had, which I don't think the. I noticed some of the commentators on the weekend and the, the mainstream press were at least they were uh, nodding the head about the inclusivity, but they weren't really talking about the First Nations people. But um, that there was, you know, some pickup of actually understanding what, what happened in regional um, Chile, where in regional centres that, that weren't supporting uh, at the all. Yeah. For cast. The other thing I wanted to pick up on was like it didn't. It wasn't just one way traffic for. Boric with the election and we've got seen you, you've shown us some footage um, amazing footage The because most things under the Chilean constitution are privatised right yes the bus oh, service <laughs> so you know Good wordplay. There you go. Um, so there is this scandal which has, you know, been, you know, going off in Chile over the fact that the private uh, bus companies um, literally did a bosses strike, if you like. Um, they shut all their bus services down so that working class and poor people couldn't get to polling booths. And, and I know right. you're saying before they're also like the turnout itself. Sometimes you're saying oh the percentage was like I think in Australia we're spoiled in the sense we have compulsory. Mm. But what are the some of the hurdles there that the the, the state also had that actually well, f- helped stop some people get to go yeah, and participate. Well, physically, um, um, what I mean by that is that um, when the electoral commission assign you a school to go voting, and you have to go just to that school, and it doesn't matter whether you live close to it or not. So, um, and like any uh, uh, modern city, it's the periphery of the city where the poor people live, and it's the commute to get to the center of town, and that. Um, Yesterday on a Sunday, um, people were waiting for the bus to go vote. Buses didn't turn up anywhere, in, in particular in those suburbs. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if you start comparing those three rich uh, uh, communes in um, in northern Santiago. That would have been fine, everything very accessible. But and uh, one of the things that is very normal for Chileans and not an issue is that you need your identity card to go vote, um, which right. is very, something very similar to what we've been hearing about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but yeah, but without your identity card, which in reality it works like a tax file number, really. Whatever right. you do, anything to do with state, you just it's that that number yeah. and that yeah. Um, now um, it's all anecdotal because it happened so um, so recently, but um, the the buses were gone. There were pictures of buses being locked up uh, and drivers nowhere to be found and i've seen a, a lot of um anecdotal footage kind of pointing out that yeah the, there were there were buses around they just weren't driven by anyone yeah. and they also there was funny i saw some um uh, footage they're actually saying that yeah the drivers are here like they're available but like like a guard or something at a at a um, depot at right? a depot yeah. that's right you know it's an interesting confrontation because the guard was saying that yeah he was going to vote for Boric and he goes i want i want all this to change as well mm. um so that that's that was like one of the immediate hurdles um, in the past. The police and and I got to say, COVID COVID uh, restrictions, um, doing their best to keep people at home in, in the in those uh, poorer suburbs. Yeah, so Chile's been one of the most brutally hit countries in the world, right? Um, mm-hmm. As far as um, like hospital hospitalizations and deaths. Yeah, go. yeah. Um, especially with their like really badly neoliberalized health yeah. system. Um, and uh, what's interesting when i was over there 
um, um, in um, February 2020, the poverty that I saw was very different from the poverty I knew as a child. Um, as a child, you would see poor kids literally living like wearing rags, no shoes. Um, it's funny, Allende was one of the, like, the first policy was to give, like, shoes to oh, every child. It was, like, one of the things that, yeah, it was, like, in the, in the, one of the main policies. Um, what I saw two years ago now, everyone could dress well, everyone could dress up, and the things are made, made in China are more yeah. accessible. Where you saw poverty manifest itself is that those people were in the streets selling stuff, anything. Yeah. Uh, disinfectants, uh, wipes, uh, tea towels, combs, like absolute rubbish, but it was that thing that it, yeah, people that don't have money need to start selling stuff. Mm. And that's what you saw. And now with COVID, all of a sudden those people couldn't go out in the streets to sell their stuff. And then that's what COVID hit them the hardest. They, they, um, they have communal uh, soup kitchens that they're always um, um, uh, made up by the people in the neighborhoods. Uh, they're called ollas comunes. And They've been, yeah, and for the, all of COVID, um, there were campaigns just to keep these afloat and just to feed them, give them money. Um, and in Australia, we've been finding a lot of people that, and they're really trying to be fair about it, not to go just to Santiago and just to trying to spread around, but it, it was really just making sure people were getting pensioners. Mm -hmm. It was, the, it was that, that sort of thing. Uh, I mentioned all of this because this was a continuation of, the, of this work that the people who are actually organizing all the soup kitchen and, and, and actually trying to get out were the same people that were protesting a few months back. So even though COVID happened, those people adapted their activities, but they didn't, they were still talking to each other. They were still um, doing stuff. Mm. Uh, an example, a, a lady who's a, um, a school bus driver, um, she wore a Pikachu, you know, Pikachu from, yeah. <laughs> she wore a Pikachu costume and Everyone loved it. I thought it was funny. She was a dancer. Anyway, this lady continued to do all the work. She talked about how she wasn't really politicized. Um, she's one of the 155 constituents who write the constitution and actually got elected by her name, not by the Pikachu thing. No, she actually did a yeah. proper campaign. She, and she wasn't wearing the Pikachu suit. In the, well, uh, she did wear the oh, Pikachu yeah. suit. Okay. And they, did like a, they did a stunt <laughs> right. and there was another guy. Actually, all, all these characters uh, that, that did come out for the project, there was a guy who like dressed up in a Spider-Man thing and was really athletic. And um, But yeah, Pikachu lady wore, the, the, wore yeah, her okay. costume at the Congress, which the right were like you know, infuriated with disrespect yeah. and, and this is the riffraff that we yeah, got. And, right. um, <laughs> But that yeah. was an example of just seeing mm -hmm. that um, that level of, of engagement continued. Mm. Uh, That's a really good segue into um, my next kind of question, which is, um, you know, Boric has won this presidential election, which is really, really great to see. But it's also coming at a time where there's like the relationship between the constitution, the, the sort of um, the constitution, the constitutional assembly and the institution of the presidency is still pretty up in the air. So... Um, I guess, like, uh, what did you see as, like, the sort of competing perspectives on the Constitutional Assembly between Boric and Cast, and, like, what could have happened if with that if Cast had won? And do you think, do you think Boric is, you know, as a, um, as a conduit for the social movements that actually demanded the Constitutional Assembly, is he going to be the kind of guy who's prepared to sign off on, you know, if it comes to it, abolishing his own office or really radically adjusting the way that, you know, the executive functions or something like that. Um, 
Sorry, I know that's No, no, no. I was saying that it's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, before we started uh, yeah. chatting, we did mention the particular policies, concrete policies that uh, Boric had. Boric is promising things that are very long-term and what critics would say vague. Um, but it's tied down to the constitutional uh, uh, process. One of the things, the human right to water, which all of water privatized in Chile, mm-hmm. they've got to climb back. Like all these um, other policies, they're not even extreme in Europe and in Australia. Labor Party, we've got all this stuff's already running. They're not new ideas. Um, but yeah, the, everything that it's really tied down to the Constitutional Convention, Boric needed. The, um, and, and also to be aware that they, yeah, the, constitu- the, uh, the Constituent Assembly um, could knock off the president if they decide that the electoral terms, um, which he's prepared to do. Now, one of the things that they did talk about, uh, uh, Boris in his campaign, um, things around gender equity. Uh, the, the feminist movement exploded uh, uh, in, in um, 2019, 2020. Um, the yeah International Women's Day in on the on the eighth twenty twenty was like by far the largest mobilization that's in, um, and it was actually if if you're just a bloke hanging out like yeah you just didn't want to be in the streets if it was like that because pretty militant ladies out there and um, I know anecdotally of just people very open left wing people had to realize that maybe I shouldn't be at this rally maybe I should just kind of. Let let others be the let protagonist. The exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, well, and 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 most shockingly, um, what did prompt a feminist response was that um, the Chilean state, the police, and the armed forces uh, were using rape uh, yeah. as a as a as a tool to to keep people controlled during the start of the of the the social explosion. So people normally they had a curfew from like six p.m. till seven in the morning. If you're out there, you were you were grabbed, and you had to stay in jail till that seven. And the, a lot of this stuff were torture sessions, rape sessions. Uh, the, it's not even anecdotal. It was just like the the amount, the amount of stuff that was happening, um, and it's because it was a, a response of the state to mm. deal with, <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, Gender equity, just being just—it's something that could be really vague and obvious to everyone, but it's—it's it's something that they—they they really want to real-world stuff that's immediate for a lot of people. Yeah, Chilean state never paid attention to any other stuff. They're all the with Cass um, campaign. It was all about the uh, the traditional family, the nuclear family. Um, so, indigenous rights being another thing, mm-hmm. people that have been excluded by the Chilean state f- forever. Uh, and other things that are so broad but so important and they'll need more defining as we see now they're saying that all the boorish policies are based in four pensions wages health and education public health and education and now um the all these issues are being dealt by the constitution the convention directly things like the human right to water to actually combat the massive privatization um, and lack of state presence. So, all these really broad campaign topics are tied down to the convention. Boric knows this, and I think he, he one of his responses to the campaign of the right, the fear campaign, was that the left are too uh, abrupt. They'll they'll cha- they'll go over. They'll change things too much. Chileans don't want that overall change. They want a bit of stability. They want uh, they want things to be 
nice and orderly. Then that's that's pretty much a campaign. Um, trying to think of other words. Internal security, delinquency, tougher, uh, tougher jail terms, um, and illegal immigration. So it was like um, our man um, Potato Head. Oh, doesn't yeah, 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 very much so, very much so. Just, and, uh, you know, and also that it's like the one of the things that the right of all is that um, if your if your constitution doesn't work, if your politicians don't work, the only people who can actually make things work and keep the country stable and forward, we're going to be the military. Yep. Now, talk about my mum, mum's 84, one of the things she's going, oh, what do you reckon the military going to do? <laughs> Go, we're not there yet, but it's happened before. Mm. It's happened before. Uh, and now the, the pensions by the military, um, the, the, the federal police equivalent, and very good pensions. And I think that when they were comparing the rate of a, like a normal uh, uh, old age pension, it was like tenfold difference. Yep. So one of the things that they wanted, right? We want access to pensions like that as well. Like it's happening; it already exists. So I mean, I guess guess your point, Jose, is that Boric's victory really will harden up and consolidate and influence the outcome of the Constituent Assembly in <laughs> terms of dealing with that unfinished business of the the Pinochet Constitution. Like that's that the alternative yeah. how it would have been if cast had have gone in it was going to be very difficult a clash to yeah. actually see some you know some serious redistribution yeah. going on now one of the things that we all know just see that um it wasn't a revolution it wasn't like the the majority of people recognize the problems they know where they come from now whether they're going to be militant about all of this and uh, it was something that I think even like your broad, very broad everyday Chilean was worried about thing and that stability stuff. Mm-hmm. It was something that now Boric is going to have to do all of that, but also be very inclusive and very transparent. And I'm not going to say it has to do it in a slower way um, because there's so much at stake. Things are being redrawn as we speak. Um, it's a little bit unpredictable as well, but. Um, Boric learned from the first round that which gave the right-wing candidate cast such a large margin was that that fear of they'll 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 go crazy and and go nuts with power uh, now like any execution they were trying to appeal to the center and that's something he knows he's going to have to try to build consensus with, with other sectors as well like and, and and you're talking like uh old center parties like the christian democrats and um who actually a lot of them did broadly supported him as well uh, um, very different from like a really radical student um, politician to being seen now uh, he actually had like a social social democrat around his environment stuff. he yep. wasn't shying away from that either but um, he understands now that if things aren't done in that particular way it's gonna he's gonna run away like the whole thing will run away from him and he's chance of a positive influence he he's going to miss that opportunity well i i think we've we've talked about this out, outside of recording the fact that boric's um international campaign his wooing campaign of the u.s has been pretty successful um uh, because he's posted images of himself um 
that he enjoyed listening to Taylor Swift's albums <laughs> COVID isolation. So that'll go down with some of the Hawk um, Democrats. So maybe, you know, we, <laughs> we might not have that US intervention that we all fear. But um, I guess the thing about Boric, which is which is really quite... Uh, there's a wonderful quote floating around, but paraphrasing. He, he described um, Chile as the birthplace of neoliberalism and that it will be the, the place first place to the bury tomb, it. The tomb. The no. tomb, yeah. And so are we seeing the end of neoliberalism in, in Chile, I know you've highlighted a couple of key mm. things, but what are the what what's the next? Are there a couple of key dates coming up that are going to happen? Like, we, yeah, you're right. It's not we're not calling it a social revolution. It's not workers taking power, but it's a political revolution in That's terms right. of like, yes, there's mass participation, yes, there's upheaval with it, but and the collapse yeah. of the of an old system, an old yeah. party, you know, um, duopoly. Yeah, yeah. And issues that are widely felt, like yeah. universally widely felt, like basic stuff. Um, one of one of the the most simple and, and nice quotes that I saw from Boric, he gave a very good speech as well. It was a really natural and flowy. Uh, he actually said that um, he wanted to have his president grounded to the streets. Like th- that's something that just um, grounded to the uh, to the streets and actually build some sort of uh, make himself the consensus candidate he he ended up being um now what the what the what's the cal- what the calendar looks like it's going to be interesting because he's supposed to take the presidency in March 11th now the body they were writing the constitution they're due to finish around April the April can be extended to another three months. And after those three months, there'll be a referendum for people to um, reject or, or, or approve the, the proposed model. So really what we're seeing the next eight months are gonna be really key to, to all of this. Um, it's fundamental that, yeah, that the things have to, like you can't stuff it up. It's a very short term when things can just can go wrong mm-hmm. very quickly. I would think of the, the got unlikely scenario, hopefully, of, of the army actually doing it. would not surprise me that they... Now, what's actually scary is that the, how the media will already be building a campaign to get him out. Is it, um, but that's the that's the kind of expiring thing about Boric, and this, this upheaval since 19 has been that, that generational change. And, I mean, surely it looks like that when you get a point of having a social movement instead of making connections and are so large it's it is harder for the military to um when you've got people's brothers and sisters and the like that are (laughs) going to be the ones that are going to be asked to turn their guns on uh, it can become quite difficult for the right to mount those things is it interesting that caste rather than what people expected um didn't go and have a fit about losing Uh, obviously there's there's an angle of them thinking well we can still influence the outcome but was I don't know weirdly quite gracious in yeah, terms yeah, of how it was, was reported about. That's the same. He's softly spoken. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, one of the things which, about- which was which was weird. But I mean, maybe there's something there that the left at the moment is is having, uh, you know, at the moment is got such a lead that's less. But it is something to be very. Um, well, it's a worst case scenario, obviously, and how yeah, things can really go wrong. Of. That as as it uh, happened in 1973. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think about implications, though, Jose? I mean, like I, we we were talking about um, it hasn't really been followed that much in Australia, from what 
we've, we've been taking a keen interest on it. I, mean, I guess people on the left, you know, have historically in Australia looked at um, Chile and wanted to, you know, there's there's people. I, I know myself, um, Chile for any, for a lot of for a lot of us has always been basically that horrible. Um, Example that's put out there: If you um, have too much of a left-wing platform, um, you're going to find yourself locked up in a stadium and disappeared. And that's been a wonderful trope for a really long time, hanging around for you know a couple of generations now. So I, I'm sort of seeing the Boric thing as sort of like, well, actually, you don't have to accept that. Um, there is a there is a different possibility. Yeah. There's a different world as possible to have that because it does appear that they've been able to go a lot broader and and win a you know. Substantial support amongst the population to go for something regular. And what is nothing it going too for radical either. It's, it's some yeah. such common, common everyday policies that we, we would see around the left here or, yeah. or anywhere in Europe. Um, he, yeah, the the army is stepping in something that's very like I think the the extreme, and no one's actually discussed it, but it, it's actually the way that the Santiago establishment right reacted to things um, you're talking very few families as well very few families who can actually pull pull everything together it can happen very quickly they're, but you're right Ben they've been very gracious how they lost um, now you always hear about the the current PM or, or president congratulating the, the incumbent winner uh, this was done live with it like a telecast of like President Pinera and Boric giving each other kind of like wow. we got this tradition of a handover and actually the first day after the election is like an open invitation to, to start a process but it was very buddy buddy but I was not expecting to see a live like a live to and fro from them both so that was really weird mm. and uh Pinera is a bit of a charmer he he never comes across as something uh, someone uh, um were violent or imposing. He's always kind of softly spoken and very gentle. Uh, no, no, Pinera. Pinera, Pinera. Right. That's why he yeah. was just saying that he. The current president. The current president. Yeah. That. The multi billionaire. Yeah. yeah. That's right. The guy that introduced credit cards. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. For me, I think like you could you could read that as the right saying like okay we've we've lost you know um, we'll try again next time but we're going to accept this and have a like orderly transition we value that sort of as a institutional norm but I'm more of a pessimist I feel like if they're if the writer accepting it quietly then it's because they might have some sense that they don't have too much to worry about and that the um, like fundamental structures of the class society in Chile are not under attack um, but that's a also pessimistic one, view. <laughs> one other thing yeah <laughs> one of the things that's very different with our, our current global environments that things are more globalized back in the Cold War People kept to their own borders. There wasn't that much traveling. Actually, people traveling was something very expensive as well. Uh, uh, but the rest of Latin America was very keenly seeing this. And it was actually very interesting as a comment that the the kind of next in line of something of, of, of left-wing possibilities like we're seeing now would be Colombia. So saying that Colombia, which reminds me very, very similar to in 1973, where they were talking about when the Allende government it was Australia looking at it like this could be like the way we do things and uh, you're a communist the Italians the French Um, so yeah that's something that that how they've been received and I think you're right Jacob the right are very cautious and they can't they can't flaunt 
the their institutions th that abruptly like they used to do in the 70s and there was a bunch of them trying to do the same thing so that hopefully is a, are going to be a little bit more optimistic how, how they respond but it, it's the policies are so broad that there's no immediate threat at the moment of something very concrete and specific. It's funny, I'm trying to look at policies, something very specific, mm -hmm. and, and I'm trying to think of any other uh, presidential or, or federal type election where, where yeah. The, but isn't that for an Australian audience, it's hard to get your head around because we're so used to the politics are so often, it's like the frustration of people who, who to the left of the the centre left, which is basically what happens in a federal government, is we'll have a centre left government run by the ALP. Um, and if you're the left of that, it can be very you know hair pulling out sort yeah. of stuff. But the fact that things have gone on for so long and have been so bad for you know it just doesn't work. Having a constitution that's based on a neoliberal yeah. <laughs> market economy backed up by the iron fist of the military and the, the police is, has been a disaster um, for the people of Chile. And that you can have that situation where a broad left or a radical left, if you like, can actually become the mainstream. And all they really are, I mean, you were mentioning before that the the constituent elect, elected representatives going back to their constituents. Like, you know, that's that's something we think is that's really yeah, great, yeah. blah, blah. But that's an example of like, that's part of that, dis, that's one of the way they've been able to win back from the, the complete collapse of the centre-left and the centre-right, which is those neoliberal... You know, fools that follow. You know, it was Chile that started the experiment before Tony Blair and that's um, right, and um, and Clinton. So this is the one to watch. And it's ironic. It's all yeah. about the free market and little government, but it was a military dictatorship that gave them the whole Chilean economy to Milton Friedman and, and his um, student disciples. Not yeah, even exaggeration. That was actually yeah. that's yeah. exactly what they <laughs> yeah. were. Yeah. Uh, um, the political landscape is very similar to what we see here. Normally it's a 40% right, 40% centre-left, uh, and also very clever, the electoral system was very cleverly kept the left out for good till like 2014, when you saw people like Boric come in from the student movement. So um, even though they're rewriting the whole constitution, there was they did manage to get a, quite a few little wins and, and, and tweaking the electoral laws all of a sudden there were left-wing people in parliament. There had not been anyone remotely like that. I mean, the only thing, probably the Socialist Party, just by that name alone, but there, there'd be nothing else. Now they realize that the new, well, now the, the alternative to the right were no longer the center parties. Uh, we look talking about the Christian Democrats, um, Social Democratic Party, the, the PPD, Party for Democracy, there's a Radical Party as well, which is very old traditional um, liberal, liberal, but always kind of left, uh, vid left when state intervention. Mm -hmm. um, and this is what's um, surprising all, all the observers that though the opposition, I mean, the opposition to the right, it's new, it's forming, it's the alliances are being done as we speak. Um, so Everyone who was used to the the old model of, of how elections are done, everything completely changed uh, entirely. But very difficult for a third force to actually get in there and, and, and jostle things up um, and tied down to very similar ways that we see with, with our system. Um, but the vote from the center left um, crumbled 
at a presidential level, but when they were the, uh, electing the local MPs, uh, the, the um, Chamber of Deputies, the lower house, and the, and the Senate, still some of the characters, actually quite a lot uh, people from the Social Party, that they, they still ha hold their own in Congress at the moment. Um, so th that was very interesting as well, because they're they were rejecting the parties, but not the candidates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's something that can be really misconceived quite easily as well. But um, and and one of the examples that I can clearly that I clearly saw was that in any of these rallies, you never saw a political flag from a party. Maybe a communist party flag, but nothing. The only saw trade union flags. Uh, yes, yeah. and uh, the most common flag, uh, the Mapuche flag. I yeah. understand that he w and it's funny, like the Mapuche things are really interesting because uh, it's a really cool looking flag as well. But um, I, I was asked recently, go, so you, you identify a really Western thing? I'm like, you, you identify as indigenous? And I'm not really like, no, but what's what's happening is that you're recognizing the indigenous existence. You actually like flying the flag on their behalf now one of the things that are, um, the way col colonialism was done in Chile since the, what's the 1500s um, was that the policy of breed them out mm. so we everyone in Chile knows they have uh, indigenous ancestry down the line but it's never specific mm. never, the, the last name's always uh, Spanish mm -hmm. uh, you never saw this but this is the first time that there's actually like an acknowledgement saying these people were here and and mm. their grievances are quite legit and maybe we should pay attention to them. Mm. You never saw past generations even 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 do this remotely. Yeah, I think a really good note to end on since we're pretty much out of time is that um, uh, in both South and North America, um, in any anywhere where there's been a kind of um, a policy of um, yeah, sort of breed them out, assimilate the indigenous population into the colonial population. Um, the important thing to remember there when trying to navigate the difficult relationship between indigenous struggles and the, the trade union and you know the working class struggle is to always remember that the working class is the inheritor of the indigenous legacy. Exactly. You know, in like all of the most important ways. It's really important to note as well, Jacob, that uh, this is not just symbolic. This is not mm. something that um, out of the 155 constituents that were elected to write the constitution, they elected a Mapuche woman as to mm. be the president of the convention. So he, he was, and, and uh, the fact that an indigenous woman in her own traditional garb in the place where the old, like, said, it's funny, it's really funny. There's, she was taking kind of the oath and behind her was like massive painting of the Spanish conquering Santiago because they called it a, a conquering. Mm. And there's that image and then this is little lady kind of doing it and she's like speaking with authority for the whole convention. Uh, she's a lady, um, uh, a linguist, mm. um, studied in Harvard, I think. Right. And mm -hmm. yeah. Ben, any final thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I just think, look, it's fantastic stuff. I know the Jacobin has... Uh, already rushed out a couple of uh, things about yeah, it so yeah. check them out I know I'm expecting the, the Tribune the UK Tribune magazine's also um, had some coverage as well which is interesting because there's some controversies there uh, which we've we've touched on about how do you relate to um, 
I mean, you know, elected representatives have a habit of actually going back to their constituents and asking what they think. I mean, <laughs> it's a radical stuff, apparently, <laughs> like for someone in there writing for the Tribune recently, but um, which is insane. But it's a great publication. Check that out. Yeah, I'm sure they'll yeah. have something out um, soon. But yeah, keep an eye out. Um, Al Jazeera's had some coverage, yeah. SBS, you know, the mainstream stuff's out there. But um, I watch Telemundo. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, look, if you if you like this, and look, Bor- I actually went and, went and followed, started following Bor- Boric's. Um, Facebook thing yeah. and like hey it's great it's awesome um, go and check it out I mean not advertising for it, but <laughs> yeah. they, they are they're on social media why not go and have a look it's I mean the translations these days you can actually understand what it's they're talking about it's and all good. the rest of it like it's really cool so what I, what last thing I'd like to say is like it's obviously this process isn't over it's just at another like key watershed moment yeah. and there is still a lot of hope that there is actually going to see we're going to see a country that is actually going to turn its back on neoliberalism as the way that we the world should be and we should be organised and that's the fundamentally important thing and that's what we should probably be inspired by in our country and do our little bit to um, continue to propagate that so like this show uh, on our social platforms you can follow us on Twitter at Dole Capital uh, and why not become a patron we want to put more shows out like this one and we also want to talk more to trade unionists and our community activists that are actually doing things and talking about those political discussions about how do we build a, a broader non-sectarian and empowering left movements in Australia that aren't in the straitjacket of um, like a terrible email I got from Andrew Lee the other day (laughs) (laughs) my local MP All right. Well, um, thanks again, Jose, for being with us. Oh, thank you um, for having so me. So good to have very good this, discussions. Yeah, really positive update on events in Chile, and uh, we'll have you back uh, very soon, I hope. Um, and otherwise, um, to you, the listener, thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, have a lovely Christmas. And we'll see you. We won't see you. You'll hear from us probably not very long um, after the break.